Welcome back to another video here on Ceasefire Podcast. This is going to be part one of episode 15. Does cancel culture exist? Oh my gosh. I I am excited about this. Those of you who may have discovered this channel or this show recently, thanks so much for all the the amazing support on our episode where we reacted to Russell Brand and Jordan Peterson. If you want to support us directly, Use the link below, man. Go to our Patreon, ceasefirepodcast.com. You can become a co-producer, behind-the-scenes debrief. We really appreciate the support there. But we want to dive right in. We don't want to belabor the point. Andrew, we got Louis C.K. He's talking to Joe Rogan. He's on a comeback, okay? I've seen tweets. Cancel culture doesn't exist. Louis C.K. got booked at Madison Square Garden. Like let's let's dive in. This is personal for me, so I, I'm I'm interested I to see. I know, and I am so excited. <laughs> All right, let's see what these knuckleheads have to say. I'm gonna give the language warning. A lot of the videos we watch, they're not gonna they're not gonna you know keep the language tame. They'll probably swear quite a bit. So that's your warning. Let's jump in. The thing I'm excited and I have to bring it back to my stupid plug, but the garden show. Uh, I haven't. Been, I used to do it. It was normal to do the garden for me before, which is not a good thing. Right. Like I remember Chris Rock saying to me once after a show at the garden, he's like, You you like this is like a club for you where you try shit out now. Because <laughs> I did it like five times in a week. I just take right. the subway, take the C train up, do the garden and leave. Like I don't party after I just a right, show. Right, right, right. But it's that went away and I hadn't been there for a while. But now to me, this one show there is like this is a very exciting thought. Yeah. To just do one. And the set of prepared for it is not a rock star set. It's it's pretty gritty. It's pretty. I mean, it all kills. It's similar to what I saw at the creek. Yeah, last time. I've been working on it since. So there's a lot of new stuff. Yeah. But it's um, the idea of being surrounded by these eighteen thousand people in this in this elite arena and saying some of this stuff. But but also knowing that I've. I I just wanted to say one thing. Uh, he did a talking funny bit where he sat down with Seinfeld and Chris Rock and Ricky Gervais. And he makes things hard on himself. Like, he would save his... Like, everybody saves their best joke for last to kill with. And he would start using his best jokes to open the show. So now he has to do better than his best joke. Like, he has to rise to the occasion of his best material. So it's interesting to see his sort of coming back and, like, he's thinking of this show in this way. Because I know some of his process in comedy is very very intentional. So I've crafted it. So it's not just reckless... You know what I mean? Right, right, right. I, yeah. I'm really, I'm really excited about. I don't. 38 years in comedy, I don't get that excited, but I'm really excited. I'm excited about for it too. I, I love that you've made this return, and then you know you experienced a bunch of resistance, but now it's kind of gone. You know. And yeah, it's just, just might just keep just, doing it. Just keep yeah, doing it. Yeah, and now yeah. you're you're doing shit that's really being recognized. Like you want a fucking Emmy. Yeah, I got a Grammy. I got to want a, a Grammy, Grammy since I came Grammy. back. Yeah, yeah, that it's was amazing. nice. It's nice. And I think you won a Grammy for the special. This it was very funny, but I think the next one was. I think Sorry was even better. Thank you, man. I really Thank do. You. Sorry well, that, was that, amazing. That got nominated for a Grammy, so we'll see Sorry. what happens. Whatever. I hope it wins. Yeah, we'll see. I'd I love it if you yeah. won two years in a row. I, I want to see nice. people get crazy. Like fucking you know, whatever. bullshit. Whatever. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. I got so. I just i i want to i want to pause because. There, that was kind of the first wave of cancel culture is not real, right? Cancel culture doesn't exist. He won, he, you know, Louis C.K. won a Grammy, which there's so much presumption baked into that idea that he can't win awards and be recognized as a comedian now because of because of what happened in 2017. You know that these stories mm-hmm. came out, and even the stories themselves are not 
as gruesome or even as extreme as some of the guys that were prosecuted. I mean, he, I, not to be crass, but he, he, he got permission to be weird and was weird and didn't realize the power that he had. And it, it ruined his career for four or five years, you know? Mm-hmm. I love that. Rogan, I, uh, go ahead. I, there's just so much here to this. Okay. Uh, there's so many angles and some of this has to be saved for part two of the episode, but one Louis CK is a fantastic comedian, whether or not uh, you're on board with his explicit content, which is extremely explicit. Right. Um, you cannot deny the fact that the dude is really funny. He's really self-deprecating and he's been very honest <laughs> about his shortfalls in this situation, which is frankly embarrassing. It's just yeah. one of the most embarrassing things you could ever imagine as mm-hmm. a dude. You know what I mean? And yeah, dude, he's in the wrong. You know what I mean? Of course he's in the wrong. You know, but at the same time, it's like, okay, we're coming at this whole thing from a certain morality. He doesn't ascribe to that morality. We can't apply that to him. He's doing what a dude in his position would do. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. In terms of just, you know, being weird, <laughs> right? It's the power issue is the issue, and that's what we're going to get into deeper. But I, I, I want to lay the foundation here. I, I, I respect Louis C.K. as a comedian. I obviously don't agree with a lot of his content. I wouldn't speak that way, you know. But, like, despite it being crass or vulgar or whatever, it's still really clever, really good. And we're at a very crazy, and we have been at a very crazy crossroads with comedy. So I love that we're focusing on comedy right now because it's going to lead to a discussion about language and everything surrounding Mm -hmm. the culture that we live in right now. Go ahead. Yeah, well, and I'm sure people won't won't appreciate the fact that I said that, you know, he got permission to be weird. Like, I I know that's incredibly reductionist at one level, but at another level, in his mind, he, he wasn't imagining he was doing anything or crossing any lines. It wasn't like, oh, I'm doing something that is wrong or I'm... I'm breaking trust or abusing my power. It was, I'm into this, and I I would imagine other people are into it too, okay? And a, a trying to bring morality to bear on it. I just, I find that to be so interesting how moral high ground, how Puritan people become in an era where everything's supposed to be totally allowed. Like the, the, the sexual liberation movement, as long as it's Crazy, in the privacy right? of your own home and as long as you get permission and consent, which he did, <laughs> like what he did was weird and incredibly like... And we're not condoning it. We're no. not defending him. No, not at but all. we are looking at the phenomenon or the nuances surrounding this, and it is a lot more nuanced, especially because you've gone through things like this. Right. And that's what we're here to talk about, a very, very nuanced uh, thing that is beneath the surface of something that's very easy to condemn, um, which, you know, we do condemn the action. Mm -hmm. It's not something that is good, but we're looking at everything surrounding this and the bigger picture of what this means in the context of comedy and culture, cancel culture, especially. Right. That's the fundamental question. I have a moral system that I can bring to the equation and say what Louis C.K. did was wrong, and I could have a conversation with him about a sexual ethic that is one of, you know, appreciating what sex is as a gift and a blessing and how it leads to human flourishing when treated properly, right? I have that system. 
I don't think the people that condemned him have a system of morality that allows them to say anything because if everything is totally cool as long as you get consent, then he didn't do anything wrong, which is why everybody ran to the power dynamic argument. Oh, he was a man in a position of power. I don't think he saw himself in that way. I certainly didn't see myself in that position because I was scrapping as a content creator to survive and to, and to, and to make it. And just because I had seen a modicum amount of success didn't mean that I suddenly was like, oh, I'm a, I'm a man of power now. I have, I have power. It was like, no, I'm just hanging out with people. And he probably thought the same thing after all the years he fought and clawed to get where he was. So let's keep watching. Angry when people were calling out your uh, that leak set yeah, yeah, when people was... are mad. Because to me, it was like, that's what he's always done. This is great stuff. Like, yeah. these are, But not only that, you hadn't done stand-up in 10 months. I'm like, this is the this is the seeds of a fantastic hour. Well, it was and you're a, only seeing, like, the, literally the first couple of right. times he's even said these things aloud in public. I literally was having a conversation with another comedian and came up with the bits and went on stage and did them. So it was the first time I'd done them. And I... I just got so excited to be back on stage because I had yeah. taken a long time off and it was and there was resistance coming back. But I was it was I was in a club with my crowd for the first time, and so I was. Uh, it was the only thing I regret is it was reckless because my life was very in, uh, precarious. Things were tough and things were tough for my kids, so that created a bigger, huge stink bomb than anything else that had even happened. The set did. Yeah, the set was really really, really awesome. hard. So, I, I given how uh, things were. I probably could have made jokes about a couple other things. I don't believe ah. I did anything wrong. You did what you always I done. do. I've always done this. The way it works is I say stuff that is the wrong thing to say. I hear the resistance to it, and then I and then Figure I work it with it and work with it. And it takes a few shows for it to be a safe bit to do. But there's a few audiences that that you know, and that audience actually didn't <laughs> didn't mind it. But it, it's not for regular consumption it's like watching it's somebody ready. practice piano yeah and going like he sucks or or it's not it wasn't supposed to the i think it's really bad that we don't have these barriers anymore where there's speech that's for these few people there's speech that we're gonna we're gonna have a fun conversation where we're gonna get a little crazy it's not for the whole world to see well what was in that's an interesting perspective because i've thought about that right like you can joke and talk in a way with your friends and your family but that's not necessarily what you would want broadcast to the world right like i i don't know i think we're at to, we're at a point where so many as he said like barriers have been removed we live we almost live digitally all the time now mm-hmm. we don't we don't yeah. have an existence apart from living digitally you know and I'm, I I actually think he barely touched on it, but the idea that people would say cancel culture doesn't exist because he won a Grammy or now he's getting booked at Madison Square Garden, this all came out six years ago. So it's been six years, and he said it was hard on his kids. It made it to the point where just yeah, him coming just back. just thinking about that. Right, and I'm sure yeah. people were like, well, yeah. did he think about his kids when he was doing what he was doing? What do you mean? You have to go back to the morality discussion. Like, what if that's what he thinks is cool and that's what he gets off doing like that's that's not wrong according to the sexual ethic of the day so what do you mean consider his kids like he didn't he didn't go out and and, and abuse people and mess with people he he was doing something that he thought was totally on the up and up right and 
to drag his family and his kids through it and then to say, well, cancel culture doesn't exist. The ramifications, the reverberations of what they went through will always be with them. Like, it'll always be something that they remember that they went through. There'll be scar tissue and likely trauma that they've had to process. And the public doesn't care about that. They have zero care or concern. I know firsthand what what they did to my family and my children. They didn't care a lick about that. There was zero empathy or compassion. It's all about destruction. Mm. Infuriating to me. I'm so sorry. Uh, I was just thinking about how do you tell your kids about this? Right. How would you tell your kids about what happened? Right. In a way, it, I guess it depends on how old they are, but right. obviously it does. But imagine being as kids and finding out about it somewhere else. You know what I mean? For sure. First. Yeah. Gosh, that, wow. That's punishment enough in my book. Yeah, because he, yeah, he was on a national, at, at, a, at some level, a global stage level. I was like, yeah. I had like micro fame. So. You know, obviously one day I'll tell my kids about it. Like, hey, if you want to get into this line of work, like these are the things that can happen. It is volatile. Like I did the most minor things. Like I flirted with women as a married man and it was weaponized in a way that made me look like a criminal, you know, and Mm -hmm. that's how volatile this is like a tinderbox. And they'll know and I'll tell them about it because here's the thing I can actually own my sin and talk about what I did was wrong I was living in an uncontrolled way I was breaking trust with my wife like and those are all things I've worked on I'm coming up on a five year anniversary with therapy like seeing a Christian therapist and you know I'll own that to a certain point but then you have to stop and say like where is the line where the punitive response is nuclear to to something mm. that is like a minor at some level like a social faux pas it's like this guy just wasn't self-aware or whatever not 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 louis ck but in my case so this story is incredibly you know personal for me what he went through because he was in another weird category of zero self-awareness maladaptive behavior that he probably developed when he was young i think even sarah silverman talked about this she said that there were times where she reinforced the behavior and she would say yes like as his friend he would ask her and she said sometimes she'd say no let's go get a cheeseburger and then other times yes she would so you have to think sarah silverman pretty girl your friend reaffirming and reinforcing that behavior when you're young he had no schema for what he was doing to be you know mm-hmm. to being wrong but we don't we don't deal in nuance we don't deal in in empathy or understanding we just deal in destruction so i'm not sure how much left is in this but this is i think it's just interesting hearing his process of trying to come back and how hard it was just because his life he said precarious i mean that it probably felt like he was he was kind of walking on a high wire you know it was people that know that they know what you're saying yeah and they went after you I was like, you motherfucker. Yeah. You know, there's people that I won't talk to to yeah. this day because of that. Wow. I was like, I'm not talking to you. Like, unless you want to make some, like, big public apology or you want to apologize <laughs> to me and tell me why you did it and what real feelings of insecurity and jealousy. But Tim Nobody Dillon. Can do that, though. Tim Dillon put a great post on his page about what's really going on. Yeah. He put a great post on his Instagram, and that's when I became friends with Tim Dillon. Right. 
He wrote, you're getting a bunch of people that are mediocre comedians yeah. and that are attacking him not really because of what he's saying but because he's great and mm. because they hate the fact that he was getting any attention at all and that should be theirs and now they find some chance to move up in the social structure. Yeah. But oh, that, dude, he just told your whole story right that's now. exactly, yeah. He just told your whole story right now. <laughs> and this is the thing that we're going to get into deeper in the next part for sure. Yeah, yeah, because I'm I'm still dealing with it to this day. I just started reading a book on forgiveness and I had to be honest. I told my wife. I said I don't think I've forgiven any of these people. I don't think I have because mm. the cut the cuts were so deep. The damage yeah. is still there. Like we still haven't we still haven't recovered. It's been 3 years and I'm I'm still in the red, right? As far as losses go and stabilization and the fact that you go back and really psychoanalyze it and it is. I think that's dead on the money. Jealousy is a disease. It really is and it it causes people to be so blind to their and behavior. And it's not not just your peers. Right. In in your industry, in my industry and in anyone else's. It's not just peers. It is the the keyboard warriors, the trolls. You know what I mean? That is what fuels all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. It's really the engine behind social media itself. Does Twitter even exist if you can't go on there as a troll and say whatever you want that you would never say in real life? And right. that's what I always come back to. Say it to the person's face. You got mm-hmm. a problem with me? Talk to me privately about it. You got right. a problem with me? And you can access me somehow, you know, I'm at a festival or something. Talk to me about it like a human would, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And and say what you've got to say to the person's face, you know, and and, and it, oh, man. I think I, the, the irony <laughs> always kills me, too, is, is it's it's manipulation. You're emotionally manipulating people and stirring them up to be hateful and mean. And it's a form of violence. And it's a it's a form of it's a form of cyber terrorism is what it is. You're attacking somebody permanently. The the deep fake situation that's happening right now. There was a woman who made a wonderful argument against deep fake pornography, and she said, "Okay, what if one day I never ever want to work in this field again, and I want to go get a normal job?" She said, "It's getting to the point where I'll never be able to prove that's not me." So it's a form of virtual rape. You basically made it as if I did that when I didn't. Non-consenting. I didn't consent to be in that film. That's not me in the film. And I'm now permanently seen in that way. And I thought, wow, that's literally what false accusations are. And that's what cancel culture is. Like, if you take somebody through that ringer, no one will ever look at Louis C.K. as a dude that crossed a social line and needed to be corrected he's viewed as a monster he's viewed as this this larger than life thing he's always that and i i will always be viewed that way by some people i will always be viewed as a predator because i was given that label i didn't consent to that label there's no there's no evidence that i was that at all but now that's been thrust onto me by others in a violent way and it's a form of manipulation that's the irony is to stand against like you know doing something to somebody without their consent or to stand for this this sexual ethic of like men should be aware of their power but to do it in a violent way and manipulate people's emotions it's just dripping with irony it's like you're doing something far worse than the thing that you're getting all upset about like and that's the irony of the world that we live in right now is all of the outrage on all fronts and all of the manifestations of outrage comes from such a hypocritical place 
I mean, man is hypocritical, right? right? Whether we're talking about Christians, whether we're talking about Buddhists, whether we're talking, you know, it doesn't matter where you come from, what your worldview is. You know, that's wired into our DNA is uh, we are duplicitous by nature, inconsistent, selfish. You know, yeah. I would debate anybody until the cows come home on man's nature being naturally fallen and selfish versus, you know, benevolent. <laughs> but, uh, right. man, it's, this stuff's so crazy. Keep going. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just crazy. The world that we that, live in. That, that's what it felt like to, to me, me. All of that is totally true. And it's makes me understand it. In other words, it makes me feel sympathy. It makes me go like, all right, if that's what you need to do, that's what you that's what that's, you got to do. It's it's uh, it, I get I, that. I, I would prefer to hang out with somebody who doesn't need to do that, but I get it. And I can't I can't be around them because it, no, you I can understand. Do, that. You can do that again. You can do that again. Sure. You, you know, it's like having a snake in the room. Like you can have a snake yeah. in the room as long as I you mean, keep the lights as, on. Aside from my shit, the thing that was a drag to me about comedy in the last few years was people who any comedian who's out in the world saying that comedian shouldn't be saying these things. Yeah. That's a traitor to comedy. Well, they always that's suck. Not a, that's not, they're not a real comedian. And none of them are good. They've learned some tricks so they can right. seem good and they might have a big audience, but they're not, a, they're, they don't love this. Right. And they are, that's a fucked up thing to do. It's a fucked up I thing think. to do and it's always coming from a place of jealousy. Yes, and also it's, it's, never it's always like, happening to somebody who's already deeply besieged, somebody yes. who's already the whole world. Of course. When you see the whole world coming down on somebody for something they said and then you go, man, me, I'm going to say the same thing. Exactly. That's about you. That has nothing to do with how you really feel about what they said. It has nothing to do. It's just that you want to be heard in your circle saying it also because you see that you can get a little something from it. There's a great co uh, comedian who, who made similar comments about whenever, whenever tragedies happen and someone has to tweet about it and, you know, thoughts and prayers or whatever. And he's, he's like, that's basically somebody saying, don't, don't, during this tragedy, everybody, please don't forget about me. Like, don't, don't forget yeah, about they're me. They're just using, using a tragic situation to grandstand. And, right. and I defy anyone to show me otherwise that that's the motivation with most people. You know, pick a platform, pick a pick a pick a pick a network. Uh, you boil it all down, social media, and you remove the jealousy, uh, the attempts to create jealousy, and the grandstanding. Mm -hmm. What what do we have left? Right, <laughs> right. Creeping on exes. That's it. <laughs> Well, and I and I love I love that Louis C.K. even looked at it and said that, you know, there there are people out there that are like anti comedy, right? They're trying to control what comedians can do and say. Mm. And the point that I, I wish you would have made was that's an exercise of control. They're trying to have power and control who can do what and who can be successful. And one of the lead guys that w was like sort of he was actually in a huge position of power and, you know, he, I, I continue to think one day, you know, the truth will come out about him. And that, that, that'll be, I think that'll be a good day because I've always told people that truth and time are undefeated. It, you know, they don't stop. Truth and, and time go forward. They always will eventually bring things to the light. And this guy was seen, <clears throat> prior to everything happening to me, he was seen saying that they wanted to get, want to bring back the old community leaders and bring back the old streamers that used to be so big in that game. 
and this was like a month before everything happened so it was about power it was about control it was about we want to get rid of this new order this new group these new people that are being successful it's no different than in comedy when like louis ck is like you got people out here that are being anti-comedy they're wanting to control who can be successful they're wanting mm-hmm. to exercise power to say no that's that's bad that shouldn't be out there because they're threatened by it i would think whether or not you think that the comedy's funny or appropriate i think they're threatened by it i think people were threatened by ck because he was on a massive meteoric rise right and when we get into censoring comedians like this is a slippery slope again there are lines for individuals based upon their belief structure and morality that should be in place in terms of the type of media that you consume. So that's this has always been the argument with censorship. You know, you saw this back when rap music was coming up, you know, in, you know, the free speech debates over, yep. you know, what can be said, what, what cannot be said, what is, uh, what is considered, you know, pornographic or offensive you know and then right. ended up with the parental advisory sticker and all of the above but societies that that censor the arts uh you know that is a slippery slope you know do we want to be china you know that's the question um and you get into uh legislating what is offensive to one group or what is offensive to another group you know, what about just don't watch something if it if it's not your bag? You know what I mean? Like that's just don't so, watch it, dude. That's so easy. That's but you don't e- get to you, you don't get to grandstand. You don't get to outrage. Yep. You don't get to mobilize the the mob. You don't get that's to right. have a voice and have purpose in tearing someone down. And this is why you know from the beginning I've been an advocate for nuking every social media platform because then you remove <laughs> the weapon yeah. from everyone. Uh, the, uh, you know, there's a great book. I might've quoted this in our social media episode. I can't remember. It's been a while, but there's a great book called like war that I read a while back. I didn't even finish it. I don't finish any books. I read the first 50 to hundred pages to get the point of the author. And unless it's a piece of fiction, I move on. Um, sure. but great quote from one of the founders of Twitter. I thought once everybody could speak freely and exchange information and ideas, the world was automatically going to be a better place. And this was Evan Williams, one of the co-founders of Twitter. And then he said, I was wrong about that. Yeah. (laughs) Because we're talking about human nature here, Mm -hmm. right? We're talking about cancel culture. We're talking about handing a loaded gun to the guy in his mom's basement who has no other source of power in his life than to go online and to destroy people. Yeah. There are millions of people out there who've been handed the loaded gun. And you and guys like Louis C.K., who... You know, we're not debating, you know, what happened. We're not debating the context of the quote unquote incident itself. You know, you've already articulated it all. Uh, you know, Louis C.K., I mean, there's no one's going to sit here and say, yeah, that was good that he did that. You know what I mean? Uh, of course it wasn't good. You know what I mean? But did the punishment fit the crime? You know, should he have lost his complete career over right. it? Right. And the point that we're trying to make here is no. And the evidence, though, and the good thing at the end of this is like we're, we're talking about this cancel culture exists. You know, he came back. Yeah. You came back. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, people are mad about that. But I love it, dude, because it means the trolls don't win. Right. And you trolls, if you're listening and you're a troll, 
you're not gonna win yeah <laughs> well and it would be like saying you know if I like if I got shot five years ago and went through all this terrible rehabilitation to get back the ability to walk and have motor function and to live my life again and still had pain in my back and was dealing with all these things and then you saw me up and around and you were like yeah I, I guess he didn't actually get shot you nobody would say that like you can't say that cancel culture doesn't exist when people's entire livelihoods and careers get detonated and just because they managed to survive half a decade later they climb out of the gutter where they were stabbed and dying and oh they're still walking around yeah cancel culture doesn't exist I guess and it's like this guy lost millions of dollars it took him and his family through trauma that's what it is all these mental health advocate frauds who act like they care about mental health on social media dragging people through trauma their families through trauma and acting like well that's going to make me feel better so that justifies it I'm sorry. I just, I think, I think people are evil. I think people just hit a level of evil. It's not even the troll in their in their parents' basement. I think there are just people out there that are bad actors, and they yeah. use their position to do something far worse. That's the terrible irony: is that they're using their power and their position to do something far worse than what Louis C.K. did or what I did. Like they're the real villains in the story convincing everybody they're on like a righteous crusade when they're not they they're they're literally just out there to destroy and control and at the end of at the end of the day i do think to ask the question does cancel culture exist and to try to use people still existing still earning a living or making a comeback if that's your evidence that cancel culture doesn't exist then your definition of cancel culture is so narrow. I guess it's only true if people, like, what, jump off a bridge? And that, oh, yeah, <laughs> we got that guy. He's gone for good. Like, Or is he just supposed to be a barista for the rest of his life? Like, I guess as long as Louis C.K. doesn't come back and do comedy? Like, what if he got, <laughs> what if he became some tycoon in real estate and was making, seven, you know, seven figures? Would people say cancel culture doesn't exist because, well, now he's earning a great living still just doing something completely different? I just... I think well, it, it we betrays... both agree that it it exists. It's right. real. You've been through it. I've had other friends go through it. It is very real, right? Um, and traumatizing. Uh, but I mean, I, I just feel compelled to speak to anyone that would participate in this phenomenon and say you're wrong. You're wrong. But, yeah, and you're not going to win. You're not going to win. Well, you know, I, think I just it... feel compelled to say it. I think it betrays violence in their heart. Like, you know, if you if you hate your brother, you're murdering him in your heart. I think it's I think it's violence. It's murder in their heart that I can't believe this guy is still around and has survived and gets gets to come back. That's 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 murder in your heart. You you're wishing that the person was metaphorically dead because that would be better than them them thriving and surviving. And them thriving and surviving and continuing to live their life is somehow so abhorrent to you that you'll just betray a violent like hateful disposition just out there in the public like i don't think they see it i don't think they do people that are pro well there is a a virtue signal element to it because i have spoken to countless people over the years in recent history who have said things like i just feel a responsibility to hold uh people in positions of power and leadership accountable 
Hmm. That's the that's always the justification. Right. Well, I we, we got to do a deeper dive because this is personal. I kind of want to get into, you know, the book that I'm reading and why I actually am just now to the point where I can think about forgiveness. It's been almost three years. And I, I would love for Louis C.K. to touch on that. Like, did he have to get to that place as well to forgive the people that maliciously use this as an opportunity to go beyond mm-hmm. just like letting the stories out it went beyond that so we're going to dive deeper in part two and then we do a debrief for people who support on patreon so use the link below or go to ceasefirepodcast.com we appreciate you watching this video hit like hit subscribe we'll see you in the next episode or the next part thanks for watching <laughs>